Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Noted Podcast, and holy cow, uh, this has been a crazy day uh, in the NBA world uh, for a very specific amount of people located in the western region of the United States. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, in two places of the western region of the United States, but um, a crazy game that just happened, Golden State. Uh, and the Celtics just played game two, and uh, the Warriors did come out with a win in very stylish fashion, uh, pretty, pretty much what everybody expected the Warriors to do, but crazy game. But even crazier than that is that one of the longest tenured coaches in the NBA currently right now has decided to step down. Uh, coach Quinn Snyder has decided to step down as the Utah Jazz coach. Uh, thoughts on this immediately. You know, we are all jazz fans, obviously. We'd probably talk about it anyway. We, we were kind of mentioning this. But uh, Riker, Carson, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts about what you guys think about this move and change. Yeah, I think so. Quinn said it in his, in his statement today that it wasn't due to any philosophical things and that he just felt like it was his time. And I, I, me and the Riker had talked about this in our chat, and I think it's kind of a PR thing. There was, like, reports, and there was, I can't remember what article it was. I think it was Andy Larson that had written it, that Quinn and the front office had different ideas of what needed to happen, and that maybe, you know, that was part of the reason he stepped down. And I think also was he just felt like he had taken this group as far as he could, and maybe the front – I, I personally think we the Jazz could really use – you know, some young blood, someone that's willing to try out some new things. Not, you know, Quinn's great. One of his strengths is is coming up with schemes. But the thing is, he just sticks to those schemes and he doesn't like to stray from them. And I think it will be good for the Jazz if they can find someone that's willing to make on the fly decisions. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, yeah, I, I keep, I just. The inner jazz fan in me, I look at the entire situation where the team is. Um, I think getting any sort of freshness is is a good thing. It's always sad when you lose a coach because by no means is Quinn Snyder like a negative coach. Um, I think he could turn any squad into at least a playoff team. And I think under the right circumstances, he could get a team to the, to the championship or a title. Um that being said, it, it's been apparent, I think, uh, as the last four years in the playoffs, that this Jazz squad, it, they've, they've been capped. And is, is this the players? Is it Quinn Snyder? Uh, I don't think you can place blame on either completely. So who knows? Uh, there's, there's already rumblings of a specific player saying that he's not too happy about it. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I the shortlist they came out with. I, I don't know all of them off my head, top of my head. But I, I like the prospects of them. Uh, I hope Quinn Snyder finds a good home in the future, whether that be this offseason or the next. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a mysterious yet exciting time in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I even wonder if there's like communication between uh, Popovich. And Quinn Snyder, um, you know, Popovich is looking to retire uh, in the future, and they they do have a very good relationship. Uh, Snyder has been an assistant for Greg Popovich in the past, 
and coached the G League affiliate for the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that, that I feel like that is one of the most realistic possibilities. Um, kind of unfortunate that the Lakers weren't able to, you know, wait <laughs> uh, to yeah. be able to pick up Coach Snyder because uh, I think that would have been really good for them. Um, but, man, this is this is weird. We're, we're, yeah. we're jumping into a very – I wrote it in the chat today. I feel like this is going to be one of the biggest gambles in – you know, franchise history uh, to lose Coach Snyder, who's brought us to become playoff team. You know, since Ty Corbin, uh, after Sloan left, and we've been really successful, but only o- over to getting to the second round. I believe it was twice uh, mm-hmm. in his tenure. Right. Um, I mean, you look you look at his track record. Like he got he got a team, a pretty bad team, after t- the whole Ty Corbin blow up didn't work out he was able to develop gordon hayward into a star and then immediately after he gets all-star he leaves and we're looking like another lottery team and immediately next season we get the surprise it was like fourth or fifth seed we win the first round like it's clear that he's a good coach Mm -hmm. and he can get the best out of his guys it's just i think for the jazz specifically there might be some X's and O's things that they might disagree yeah. on. He says it's not a philosophical thing, and I think there's there's already been some public statements made previously from the Utah Jazz that they to keep him. Um, so, that being said, I think he realized, uh, and it could be something within his coaching his coaching staff. It could be something with players, but there's obviously some sort of disconnect that he felt with the Jazz, or else he wouldn't have left. And I think we as fans have caught on to some of these things. I I think most of us with a level head can honestly say that, you know, even though there's been some frustrations, we'd rather keep Quinn. Um, But that being said, like, uh, you look at different teams and the way that they're coached, especially in a playoff setting, if one game goes really bad, you know, you have a seven-game stretch. It's not like something that you can just bounce back from. you got to make changes on the fly. And it seemed like Quinn Snyder was reluctant to do something like that in some situations. Um, so that right there for me kind of sparks that, you know, disconnect between uh, the franchise and Snyder. Um, but, you know, I'm not an insider, so I can't say for sure. Yeah. I almost feel like at this point, trading away a big piece that the Jazz have and just getting picks, hopefully we can just, like, kind of pseudo-tank this season, um, see if we could pick up a really good draft pick. Because, I mean, this draft class looks really nice. Um, but it is it is just a tough situation. And you never know where Donovan Mitchell's head is right now. You're hoping that he's going to be, you know, loyal to the soil, but I guess it, that wouldn't be a soil, but <laughs> we're the ones who drive. I mean, it, so. it almost feels like the first potential domino has fallen in yeah. a, some sort of, I don't know if a fire sells right word, something. There's going to, the, the, Quinn Steiner is not the only change that's going to happen. Yeah. And that's clear. No. And it feels like this is the precursor to something potentially bigger that could happen, whether that's trading Rudy or trading Donovan or, whatever happens this is this is the way i see it really quick i see the jazz 
So if, if they're to move a big piece, they're not rebuilding. But if they go to the squad and say, hey, we look, we want to rebuild and we kind of want to start ground up, then, like, Gobert and Mitchell will have no reason to stay. I guarantee they do not want to be part of a rebuild. Like, Donovan Mitchell didn't really have to experience it. I mean, he was a part of that struggle of the first half of his rookie season, but Gobert has seen what the Jazz were and what they've been. And I guarantee if they go to the squad, they're like, okay, we're starting over, they're not going to want to stay. Especially when he's you know, he's almost 30 and yeah. he, you know, he's kind of at the point of his career where he wants to win now. Right. I mean, yeah, you could say that, but how many times have we seen evidence of rebuilds working quickly? Like golden state, I think is like a huge, it's really, it's not hard. a, it's not a real like rebuild, but I mean, they had a, it's a retooling, I would say. Yeah. And they, yeah. And they that's take for play. an entire season. I think, what two seasons ago the Warriors won like seventeen or nineteen games, mm. like they were last place. This, they were able to get draft picks. Yeah. They were a lottery team last year because they didn't make it through the plan. Got another draft pick, hit on Kaminga, who's been a, super excellent for them. And I mean, just look at the team. Jordan Poole and Kaminga were the fruits of their labors, you know, <laughs> from from taking those two seasons. If the Jazz um, were able and, to hit well, on someone like that, we know we can develop them. Well, yeah, but here's the problem with that. If if the Warriors were to go healthy squad and say, hey, look, we're drafting, we're, we're tanking for low draft seat, Clay and Steph are like, uh, what? But they had the benefit of both Clay Thompson and one season Steph Curry not playing a single game to be like, all right, yeah, guys, we have full exposure to just go ahead and tank. Like, we don't have the luxury of having stars injured in order to rebuild. I do I do like the idea of you you look at your like your Celtics. I mean they didn't rebuild, but they got a new coach. They saw how it went the first half, utilized the trade deadline to their advantage and now they're in the finals. Like so that's something I can get on board with, like Cars was saying, like a retool. Like that makes more sense yeah. to me. But if they go to Donovan and Gobert and be like, Look, give us one season, let's tank it and then the no, I don't see it. I think they bounce. Yeah, I, I agree with Riker. I think that's what happens. What if it's... one of them is traded? Would you and that's not a full then? rebuild. Yeah. It's not a full rebuild. That's just that's just them trying to find a new a new dynamic, some different chemistry. The way I work. see it is if you like, for example, let's say you go and get Johnny Bryant as your head coach, you keep Donovan, you trade Rudy. You're not trading Rudy purely for draft picks. You're trading him probably for a three and D you know, some sort of defensive player around Donovan and then maybe a first round pick, maybe a pick, right. but you're not going out specifically for picks. Yeah. I agree. For sure. I mean, at least landing a couple would be nice. It just seems like Ooh. the draft draft picks that we've gotten recently in the Yudoka Butler. Yeah. You know. Well, you look I at the jazz. I think he's got a future. You look at the jazz so. and their draft. They don't have a single draft pick this this upcoming, and then they have one first-round pick in the next draft as well. And then they have no draft picks the year after that. So you have a point. Like Draft picks are a necessity at this point, and I don't doubt that they try to dive into that market, but it's definitely going to come with another piece who can help right away. This yeah, season. for sure. I, just, <laughs> I really hope that these things can change because, I mean, it's cool for me to see that the Celtics are in this position, uh, and yeah. they did it without having to get another star. Because they thought they had to do it with Gordon. They thought they had to do it with Kyrie. 
And as soon as they gave up on that idea and just like, hey, Jason and Jalen are going to be our, our top two, and then they just put role players around him, like Derek White, like you said, Riker, great acquisition. That was like a player that I really wanted for the Jazz because uh, he was playing amazing in San Antonio at the beginning of the season. Um, but, yeah, I just really hope something can change, personally, as a Jazz fan. And yeah. the West is going to be so stacked next season. It's not even funny. Yeah. Denver and the Clippers are back. Um, probably the Lakers too Dallas maybe the Lakers Dallas are going to be like an actual contender now Um, yeah they're going to do something this offseason for sure so I as a Jazz fan you know I just don't think that I don't know if we were going to be able to compete I would really hope so um, and that things can be figured out but there's some enormous changes that need to happen and that's why we brought Danny Ainge in um to make these changes and look what he did to that Celtics team <laughs> right after he left, they go to the finals. Right. Yeah. But th- yeah. those were pieces that he put together deals that he um, accumulated and, and over time and, and it was able to work. So hopefully those changes can work in our favor. Um, but I mean, I feel like that's as much as we could say about it. Hopefully we get a good coach too, but uh, the market is, yeah. is, is going in. So um, second thing on the agenda, I, I kind of just wanted to get a quick, thought uh, i know we've already had two games of the finals happen but we weren't able to really chat about uh game seven uh celtics heat um and i, I think uh, one of the biggest things that people are really attributing to that game well there's two things um strauss's uh three that they were that they took away uh and jimmy butler's final shot yeah. attempt of the game so do you guys man it's it's hard because like they looked at it but i don't know if you guys saw the picture of strauss's foot i don't think that's enough evidence to overturn something like that and that's you see that in sports all the time especially like football if there's not solid enough evidence they can't make a change to a play like that and it kind of seemed a little sus if you ask me (laughs) no i agree i you look at the picture and Definitely, ah, it's close, but in those calls, you got to go with the initial call if you don't have enough evidence. And to be fair, you don't know what the back side of that foot looks like. That, yeah. like it definitely could be on the it's line. Not you just yeah. have, you don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, that and then Jimmy Butler's decision to just pop, let it fly from three right there. I mean, he's been shooting really well, but that decision was kind of a. Uh, I don't know. You have time there. I don't know if that's the shot you go for. Like, there's a whole lot of just mistakes that the Heat mm-hmm. kind of compiled up until that defining moment that they really shouldn't have gotten there to begin with because they just didn't play well the entire game. But mm-hmm. yeah, it did. Boston really, sh- you know, they showed their muscle, and I mean, they've taken one in the finals, so we'll um, see. I, I will I say uh, for Miami. In my opinion, I think the main thing they need to do this offseason is not overreact. Yes. I think I've seen a lot of like, Miami needs to go get Donovan Mitchell and trade away all these things. Or they need to. I'm not saying that just because I'm a Jazz fan and don't want Donovan to get traded away. (laughs) Hardly I am. But I think like there's probably a way out there for them to get better. And maybe that is through another star. But I think it's clear that they have a very solid roster around them. And I don't think it would take much for them to make another finals run, you know? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I still so think they're, yeah, like, they're top three team, team yeah. uh, in the league right now, for sure. They're really good. 
Um, and I mean, you also got to remember, like Tyler Hero is banged up, um, and he's been one of their like yeah. main scoring options. Uh, he had the whole groin issue uh, that was going on. Um, I one of the questions I wanted to ask about that final game. Let's say that in in a universe where Jimmy Butler, who I believe had been shooting like twenty eight percent from three. Uh, in the series and decided to pull up on that shot, you know, with momentum forward, that's a bad shot. Um, yeah. Not a good shot. Even if he makes that, is that still the right call? Because there were 17 seconds left in the game. You still have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown in that game. I mean, that's a lot of time uh, for Boston yeah. to do something like my, my whole thought about this was why not kind of, Maybe milk the clock a little bit more. You're open. You can go get a drive on Al Horford, who's backpedaling. Yeah. You know, you're quicker, you're shiftier, and you're Jimmy Butler. Your shot is that inside, like, jumper, right? Or to take it to the rim. Like, mm-hmm. could we be seeing a different situation had they tried to go into overtime because they had all that momentum coming in? Let's see. Let me remember. They were When Jimmy took that shot, they were down two, right? So down he was two. shooting for the lead. 17.5 seconds. Okay. I okay. Yeah, that that's hard. It's difficult. It's difficult. I, I do I do see the idea of I, I don't think it's as bad of a shot as you guys, because I think there is some merit to trying to catch the defense. Because of this Celtics defense is obviously really good. They're the best in the league. And there is some merit to shooting kind of a like a transition three, like, you know, the the one that, that Jimmy did. But I do kind of agree that he should have probably just gone to the rim and just hoped for overtime. I think that's like the safer option. It's kind of like in football. Like if you get a touchdown and you're down one and there's no time left, do you go for the extra point or do you go for two just to win the game? It's kind of like the same dynamic, right? It's like do you go for the riskier play but potentially win the game or do you just go for the the inside jumper or try and get a layup? It's like mm. – yeah. I, I just oh, think in, in that situation, you're the Heat, you're playing at home, and you just got this insane, like, historic run at the end of a yeah. game when you shouldn't have. Like, no. I, I can imagine how defeated, like, Boston would be going into that overtime. You know what I mean? And, like, how yeah. how loud Miami would have been at that point. The fair point. Like, I just think in that situation, you don't have to go to the win because you're already going to have all the momentum coming into overtime. And for Jimmy Butler to have a shot like that to tie the game, you know, like imagine his mental at that point, like he would just go off, I think. And so going for that three, even if you make that, I just don't feel like that's the right play. And to be honest, Jimmy Butler didn't have a bad game. Like he shot the ball well. Uh, Miami as a whole just weren't that great. So their their momentum going into that shot attempt was definitely on their side, just with the comeback and everything. And like seeing the mindset of Jimmy Butler, who's he's got space. At that point, he's going down the court and he has the only person in front of him is Al Horford, who, like Brian was saying, is backpedaling. And then he's got two shooters on the wings, like in the corner. So he has no other defender the mindset there is you like, okay, I hit this three, this game's pretty much over. But of course there's time left. There's time, but that they finally get that lead that they haven't had the, like basically the entire game. So I yeah. see that mindset for the same thing, same, same way it goes. Al Horford 
is not great one-on-one. Um, not saying that he can't make a play by any means, but if Jimmy Butler is to just go in there and even try to get a foul under the hoop, like that might have been the right decision because there's no chance that the wing defenders are going to collapse because they don't want a wide-open three. They had two shooters going into the corners. Like It's going to be one-on-one Al Horford, and a pump fake probably gets you to the free throw line. So I, yeah. I don't think it was the right decision. I think it was a bit of like excitement almost. And it was one of the only mistakes Jimmy Butler really made at the entire playoffs, but it still was like, it wasn't the right play. Yeah. Unfortunate. Like uh, Miami definitely could have had that uh, run against the finals. And I'd be super curious to see how they match up. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one thing I am glad about with Boston and, and the golden state is that all of their players for the most part are healthy. And I think that's like uh, that's something that's really exciting that I feel like we haven't seen in a while is like two healthy teams coming into the finals, yeah, which is fun. Because then you get to see him full power. No one's making excuses. You might even say that Andre Guadala getting injured and not being able to play today <laughs> <laughs> might have been a help. <laughs> we never know. Um, but I guess yeah. let's segue that into to game two. Um, so as a reminder, Boston won game one uh, in a very close game. Uh, throughout the entire game, and then totally just blew up fourth quarter. Golden State was able to do anything. Was, yeah. Then we're looking at game two, almost the same game happening throughout the entire half, which I love when a first half can be as exciting as the finale. You know what I mean? Like that's It's really exciting to watch throughout the game, but then the Warriors just blew up a point differential of 21 points, which is the highest in Golden State Finals history in a quarter uh, at 21 points, and they pretty much signed, sealed, delivered with that Jordan Poole absolutely nuts, Steph Curry, <laughs> Dame Lillard-esque shot uh, from the logo. Um, oh, my goodness. Can we just agree <laughs> that Jordan Poole is a splash brother? Like, I just don't know why people aren't, like, including him in that conversation in the media. Like, what, what else does he have to do? Like, he, he just did the initiation shot at that point. Yeah, he's your man. Um, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask you guys, like, thoughts on the game today. Yeah, uh, it, it's a fun series. Um, I do wish that the games were a little bit closer, just as a, as a, from a basketball, you know, fan perspective. Ne- neutral fan. But... Yeah, neutral fan. I just like to see good basketball, and it was good. But it's just there's something really fun about it being close until the end, you know, especially in the finals. But still, it's good basketball, and it's a really fun matchup between like the you know Splash Brothers and Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole. You know, the great offense against the best defense in the league. It's just a fun dynamic that I feel like isn't always there in playoffs. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that Jordan Poole 3 was really entertaining. And I think this series, I think a lot of people wrote, like, that it would be not necessarily quick. I, I saw a lot of takes, and I did have this take that it would probably go to 6, but I'm more and more believing that it's probably going to go to 7. It's hard to say at this point. I think for Game 2, uh, for me personally, uh, I give a, a ton of credit to Steve Kerr. Um, and we kind of, I touched on this with Quinn Snyder, but his willingness to, to adjust things, uh, he didn't get, deviate from the plan too crazy. 
I, I think he understood that there were some players that just had a rough night game one, especially when it came down to the fourth quarter. I don't know what the excuse would be. Uh, but he, he moved some players around, and he gave – and this is also because of Iguodala's injury, but I think it benefited them is he utilized uh, Belitza as, as like a double stretch four. Like he had yeah. Belitza and, and Draymond on the court at the same time, which – I mean, if you watched the game and compared Draymond game one, game two, Draymond was a different beast tonight. He, he didn't really help uh, offensively, but he was all over the place defensively, getting people's heads. Like, you could just see that he was in more of in his zone. Um, but just the little the little uh, details that you'll notice, and I, I, I'd like to be more specific. The game just ended, like, what, 30 minutes ago? So <laughs> I, I, I can't go into too many specific, but you could definitely see that he there was different positioning on defense. Um, and and there's a lot more confidence in shots on offense. So, totally. good 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 for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I I want to reiterate as well. Um, in game one, the Boston Celtics uh, played shutout defense um, oh, yeah. on the Warriors. But one of the things that I think was the biggest key uh, to their win on game one is the fact that 28 of thir- 28 of their 31 three-point shots that the, that they or sorry 28 of their 31 shots that they made was it three-pointers I can't remember um, were uncontested wide right. open so 28 the of the tray, 31 I did see that um, yeah you're right uh, it was three-pointer attempts so mm-hmm. uh, crazy right a, a statistic like that the Warriors just dropped the ball on defense especially in the fourth quarter. What you see today's game, you look at the box score. Al Horford, 28 minutes, 2 points. Williams, 14 minutes, 2 points. Smart, 25 minutes, 2 points. Cornette, 4 minutes, 2 points. Fitz, 3 points in 4 minutes. Hauser, 3 points in 6 minutes. Naismith, 4 points in 11 minutes. Thies, or Thies, sorry, 0 points in 14 minutes. And uh, Peyton Pritchard, four points in 19 minutes. And Stauskas at three points in four minutes. I mean, most of the bench bench warmers were scoring more points than the starters who were playing almost the entire game. And the only reason that you're not seeing these minutes at like 30 is because they had a wave of the white flag at the beginning of the fourth. Um, this was definitely a game of two halves. Stifling defense uh, that the Warriors played. And it just looked like the Celtics weren't mentally ready uh, to finish that game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, like, part of the fun of playoff basketball, right? Like, game one, you see, like, Al Horford went off, and Derek uh, White was good, playing really well, and Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. Like, Jason Tatum, like, scoring-wise, didn't have a great game. Like, he was doing other things, and he was still being effective because he's Jason Tatum. But they weren't relying on him to carry the scoring load because, like, Al Horford had a career high. And, you know, it was honestly, Warriors got embarrassed that fourth quarter. There's no other way to put it. It was embarrassing. They just got shut out. There's, that's just how it was. And credit to Steve Kerr, credit to Draymond Green. Uh, I mean, obviously all the Warriors players, but especially Draymond Green, who's the defensive specialist, to like step up and make sure that doesn't happen again and to make sure they at least get one win at home. That guy was yeah. gambling with how hard he was playing, dude. Because <laughs> he already had a technical. Oh, yeah. He had that one where he likes putting his legs on top of Jalen's head, and yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. is, is he gonna get thrown out? Like, it's crazy. 
Yeah, um, and I, no. I mentioned something last game. The Celtics' transition defense was, like, the best I'd ever seen a team play. Like, the this, the Warriors would get a breakaway, and there's one or two guys on top of them stuffing people at the rim, like, on a fast break. Very impressive. If you looked at the stats tonight, the points off turnovers uh, in the Warriors' favor was 33, and then in the Celtics' favor was 15. So that's definitely a point of emphasis that the Warriors had. It's like, hey, we are not taking advantage of the fast break. Take advantage of the fast break. So ah, it's just cool to see these different changes. I hate when you get garbage time in a finals game. It's like such a disappointment. But the first half was like so exciting that it kind of was okay. But, man, I, I really hope we get some just some roughneck, hard-fought games in, uh, yeah. in Boston. Totally. Um. One thing that I is one thing that's really interesting to me is that the Warriors have been the best team at home and the Celtics have been the best team away. Uh, um, so you're getting the perfect storm of like who's really the best team. Uh, and I just feel like this matchup is really exciting. One thing that I think is a huge difference uh, from game one and two, Steph Curry played amazing for a small portion of game one. But throughout the entire game today, yeah, there's just so many situations where Curry just dropped this, like, killing. It's like one of those threes that just kills you. It kills your motivation. Yeah. It's one of those moments where you just look up at the scoreboard and you're like, damn. You know what I mean? Um, he was so consistent today, which I think was huge. Uh, huge performance from uh, Looney. Looney has been really impressive to me. Uh, honestly, I, I never thought that Looney was anything special. Uh, but now as I'm looking at it, like, He's really grown into the role because he's been like the one sole big guy <laughs> that the Warriors have had for the last couple of years. Uh, and he's been more of like a discount. But I think Looney's starting to become what they wanted James Wiseman to be. Um, you know, just someone who had a solid presence who can be offensively threatening a lot of times. And he's having a great series. And I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's doing right now. He's just yeah. always in the right spot playing hard defense. Um, and I mean... Look at today. How many points did the big guys have? Not not to mention, did you guys see Steph Curry lock down Al Horford? Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. That was nuts. Oh, jeez. Oh. But yeah. yeah Looney, Looney's like a... It's If you compare to the Warriors of old, like he's just their uh, slightly upgraded Zaza Pachulia. <laughs> like, because he's, he, they don't need him to do a lot. They really don't need him to. But if he's there for an offensive rebound or he's there for a lob, great. Play defense and get rebounds. That's all they ask of you. So, but it's, it, he's, but he's, yeah, he's good. He's really good. Does, so does this game, now that we have two games in, series is tied, it's basically a best of five at this point. Has your opinion changed about who you think is going to win? I don't think so. I still think Warriors win. I think that was my original my original uh, take, and I still stand by that. I, th I just think the offensive firepower, while the Celtics are great, they still have to match it, and I don't think they have enough offensive talent around them to match, like, Steph Curry... Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins for a seven-game series. Yeah. It's always when you have Jordan Poole coming <clears throat> off the bench. Yeah. Like, imagine, 
other teams in the NBA if they had a player like Jordan Poole coming off the bench? The Jazz. Imagine. <laughs> Wasn't Jordan Poole like, a 30th, <laughs> like a, the 30th pick or something? I don't remember what pick he was. Uh, yeah, he was like late first round, right? Yeah, like he, he was somewhere around the, the end of the first round. Yeah. Dude, can we can we hire some of the Warriors uh, scouting uh, team members? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're good. Yeah, you get you get two games, and it's not the greatest sample size. I think the inconsistencies with the Celtics, the inconsistencies of the Warriors. I'm gonna say it again: the experience in the finals and the Warriors just have me convinced that they they're probably gonna eat another game in Boston, maybe two. I could I could definitely see this game this being done in six, going to the Warriors. Um, that fourth quarter in San Fran was just nuts for the Celtics. I don't think. If then that was the reason they won. Like the game was close up until then. It was back and forth. So I I, I do think the Warriors will will finish this one up real quick. The first half of this game, I was like, hey, I could be wrong. The Celtics are, are holding their own, but yeah, that third quarter was ugly. This is interesting, but boy oh boy, I love when a finals starts off one one. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the previous Boston games uh with the bucks and the the heat they just make them so exciting celtics have proven that like they're they're a team that they earn viewership because they are very exciting to watch because they're not you know so good that they just blow teams out all the time but (laughs) they Mm -hmm. keep it interesting i think the interesting thing about the celtics is i would argue that they had the hardest path to the finals of just about anybody oh yeah i mean the first round who did they play first round it was uh brooklyn the nets the Nets, yeah. yeah. They swept the Nets, uh, and they swept the Nets, but it's still Kevin Durant and Kyrie yeah. Irving. And then they had to go play Giannis and Drew Holiday Defending and then Shane. Jimmy Butler. That is yeah. so hard, and they still got to the finals. Whether or not they win this finals, like, respect. damn, that is impressive. And how cool for would sure. it be for, for Yudoka to be able to win a championship in his first year? How many coaches have done that? It would be wild. Uh, Nick Nurse is the one, only one that comes to mind. Did Steve Kerr do it? Yes. Oh, I think Steve Nick Kerr Nurse did it too. And Steve yeah. Kerr. Yeah. It's crazy. Right? There's probably yeah, some other did. ones. No, he did. Because because didn't wasn't Mark Jackson the one who won it the first time they won it like at the beginning of the era? No, am I it wrong? Was Steve Kerr. I promise. Okay, I'm gonna. Let yeah, him yeah, that's right. Because they had fired, or I can't remember if they fired or did they much. fire they Mark Jackson? Steve. It was something like that, and then they hired Steve Kerr, and then they won. I think mm-hmm. it was Steve yeah, Kerr's first right. year. Uh, regardless, like it's still extremely yeah. difficult to do that, and that's you know Ime Adoka deserves all the credit in the world. Yeah, and I mean those those Warriors yeah. team, like that Warriors team that won that chip in Steve Kerr's first year, like they were one of the best yeah. teams in the league. But you look mm-hmm. at Boston; they were oh, yeah. five hundred halfway through the season. Like, yep. I almost respect Yudoka more for making that adjustment because that's something Brad Stevens could never do. And maybe that's why Brad Stevens should be in that president of basketball operations, right? Putting those pieces together, getting people like Derek White or, uh, yeah, Derek White to come over to the team. Um, I just think this has been a really good decision from Boston. And I still, I, I think they're now earning back their respect as far as like a front office of what they're able to provide. So, Cool for Boston. Um, but yeah, 
this is going to be really exciting finals. Uh, we've already been really excited. I'm, I'm hoping, like Karsten said, that it gets a little bit closer for us neutral fans. Um, but boy, is it's so it's so great to see Jason Tatum finally be in this position after making it to the conference finals, um, and then to have to see Clay Thompson be back uh, after two years of injury and Gary Payton and Gary Payton <laughs> yes, as sir. well. He had that scare <laughs> a little bit in that second quarter, but um regardless thank you guys so much for listening um this is so exciting we'd love to hear your thoughts uh give us a follow uh on uh, twitter the noted podcast uh we'd love to hear your thoughts about these final games and even who you think uh, the jazz are gonna have as a new coach so that'll be really exciting but guys thank you so much and we'll see you next week